With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. And we are live with the Standing Room Spartans podcast. Host Kevin Parker, co-host Scott Martin on a very fine prediction Monday here. We are finally at the point where we've talked about the roster. We've talked about the depth chart. We've talked about each position, breakout players, everything that you would need to know to get you ready for this moment right here. We are predicting the Michigan State football season. We're going game by game. So we'll go week by week. We'll kind of tally up our rank, our uh, standings, whatever uh, prediction record as we go along. And then, uh, yeah, at the end of this episode, you will know exactly where Scott and I think that uh, this team is going to finish up. To reference uh, last year, to know how great we are at doing this, I had a six and six. Scott had a seven and five. Obviously, we blew those out of the water. To give Scott a little bit more credit than myself, though, we've talked about this before. You had, what was it, the first run through you did? You had us like nine and three, and then you went back and, and revisited that. Yeah, but I can't take any credit for that. I mean, that's, I locked in I can my give picks you partial seven credit, and five. Right? No, nah, that's not how, <laughs> I don't get two tries. Winner, I'll give you home. partial credit for it. But, um, but yeah, obviously last year finished off the regular season 10 and two, way above anybody that we we knew nationally locally i mean i i think the highest i've saw i saw us predicted last year was like eight and four so we'll see where everything comes out this year i've seen us projected a lot between like seven and five eight and four nine and three that's kind of been the sweet spot for what i've seen kind of nationally regionally people uh, making their predictions as these uh, last couple weeks before college football come in. Uh, we'll see where where Scott and I have us. So coming off the weekend here, Scott, how was the weekend before we get into this? It was good. I went backpacking, uh, trying to fit in some more outdoor time before fall locks up my weekends. Um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Weather held up a little hot on Saturday, but whatever, and uh, didn't get eaten by anything. So all things considered, <laughs> that's, that's a, a successful weekend. <laughs> it's a successful weekend in nature when you don't get eaten by anything. I think that's step one. <laughs> it's a low bar, but it's an important one. <laughs> 
Yeah, I was uh, like I mentioned, I was at a wedding this weekend, so I'm back. It's we're recording this on Monday, so I've had a few days to recover now. So we're we're back. We're ready to roll. And uh, before we do, I, I did want to just kind of start off with before we get into our actual predictions and going game by game, I wanted to know what were the most and we'll kind of do this, too, because Thursday we're going to go through all of the rest of the Big Ten. We'll go through a couple national predictions as well. Um, but as we are going game by game, there's a couple games that you feel really good about, whether you're predicting a win or a loss, that you just think you got a good read on this matchup. You got a good read on this team that we're playing. And then there's a couple where you're just you're flip-flopping back and forth and back and forth. And you're spending a half hour on a single game going through the other teams like depth charts and trying to find something that will give you an edge one way or another. Uh, And I was curious, Scott, if you had any games one way or another that you felt really good about, that you really struggled with, um, without trying to give away the prediction, was there anything on there that really stood out? Um, Yeah, I mean, Wisconsin, I went back and forth, and I'll get into my reasoning, but that was one of the hardest ones, and then the last game at Penn State was Mm -hmm. a challenge for me. I'll cut you off because I had the same two. Those two were were really, really difficult. Yeah, and I'll give you a little sneak peek. Uh, Ohio State was pretty easy for me. <laughs> so I'll just leave it at that till we get there. Akron was an easy one for me to predict. No, <laughs> I think another one for me, we'll get to it, but Maryland. I, I feel pretty good about my read on Maryland football. And apparently uh, some, that's more contentious than we think in our little echo right, chamber here. Right. So so that was one, you know, I've I'll I'll shout them out maybe later on, but um yeah, some people have different feelings about Maryland football and I feel pretty confident in my feelings about Maryland football. So we'll get to that as it gets there, but um before we do that, we're going to kind of run through some over-unders, too, as this week goes along, and DraftKings is obviously the best place for that. But they are also launching the first-ever NFT fantasy game licensed by the NFLPA. You can play all season for millions in prizes by building the ultimate NFT franchise. Right now, everyone can get their first full roster starter pack for free. Playing Rainmakers is very simple. Buy, sell, bid, and win player card NFTs are the biggest name in the game through regular drops and auctions on DraftKings Marketplace. Craft lineups of athletes from your favorite NFL players, your NFT collection, and earn points for touchdowns, receptions, things like normal fantasy football. Uh, build your NFT franchise and enter free Rainmakers football contests all season long to compete for millions in prizes. The next generation of fantasy sports is here. Download the DraftKings Daily Fantasy app now. Sign up with promo code TPPN for the Pigskin Podcast Network, of which we're a proud member. Click on the Rainmakers tile and opt in to get your first card free. Plus, play for millions in prizes all season long while building the ultimate NFT fantasy franchise with Rainmakers football. That's promo code TPPN. Build, play, win only at DraftKings. Contest entries depend on type and number of NFTs held. Eligibility restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. See DraftKings.com for details. All right. It is time. It's time, Scott. We are 11 days from kickoff. We are 11 days from the opening game against Western Michigan. The Broncos coming into Spartan Stadium. I will let you go ahead and kick us off here 
with your prediction for Western Michigan, Peyton Thorne's father, the uh, the offensive coordinator for Western coming into town. Uh, what's going to happen on the, on that fine Friday night? Jaden Reed's old school as well. Um, That's right. I don't think this one's too tough to predict. Uh, Western went eight and five last year, four and four in their conference and finished sixth. That is last in the Mac West. So uh, definitely a team with things to exploit. Uh, I expect to have a pretty big win here. I don't think we'll probably keep the hammer down because I think we're just going to really want a lot of youngsters to get snaps if we get that capability in the second half. So give me a pretty comfortably big win uh, to open the year in Spartan Stadium. I am with you there, uh, 100%. Uh, Western Michigan, they're usually a really good MAC program, right? They're they're losing their quarterback this year, though. It seems like it's it's going to be a little bit of a step back. Michigan State all time fourteen and two against uh, Western Michigan. We all remember, unfortunately, the most recent of those Western min- wins was uh, well, relatively recently. But um, yeah, no, I, I don't think we're really going to struggle with this game at all. Good opportunity to get some youngsters in there and uh, and really roll to a, a week one Friday night, as has been tradition at Michigan State for quite a few years now. I can't re- like when's the last time we started not on Friday night? I feel like it's been like a six, seven year thing now. Yeah, it was certainly that way when we were still there. Um, I think every year. Almost yeah. every year when we were there, we started on a Friday. So that that that'd be almost a decade now, if not a decade. Do you like that? Do you like the Friday night opener? I I think it's fun. Thinking back on my time as a student and being on campus already for that game, uh, it was a lot of fun because you'd you'd go to class and all the teachers, professors, whoever, they knew, right? Like people were more focused on the first tailgate of the year than class. And uh it was always like really exciting and you'd finish your in, in class. You weren't sick of yet because it was like the first week of class. Uh, so you'd finish your class and then go into it. And I, I liked it a lot as a student. I could see if you were like a tailgater, you know, with a full time job and you're carting the whole dog and pony show up to East Lansing for the tailgates every week that trying to get there for a Friday night game would be a challenge. I mean, you're taking off work at that point. So yeah, I could see both sides of it, but personally I have fond memories of it. So I still love starting on a Friday and it's one last day. We have to wait to see the start of the True. season. Yeah. And, and I'd rather do the Friday night thing than the week zero thing. So, you know, if you're kind of giving me one out of two schedule gimmicks to start the year, definitely give me the Friday night. Uh, so both one and oh, that moves us on to week two against another Mac program, the Akron zips, um, <laughs> Akron, the last three seasons is a combined three and 27 in, uh, in overall play. They are one of the worst football programs in all of the country. They do have a new head coach this year. Maybe that gives them some juice, but I expect this to be a complete and total blowout, um, the the Michigan State Akron history, we have only played them two times, according to uh, Winsipedia, nineteen thirteen and nineteen fourteen. We had a back to back with Akron. We won forty one to nothing and seventy five to six 
I expect that trend to continue. Maybe <laughs> not quite to that degree, but you know, something like a 48 to six, um, that kind of sounds appropriate. So, you know, what's amazing about that score, the 75 to six is that was pre forward pass. Yeah. So they just <laughs> ran it down their throat for 75 points. <laughs> That's a that's just a rough running clock, right? Like, you're just... yeah, you're you're watching the uh, you're watching the the clock tower, you know, down the street from the field to see when we can get these guys out of here. But uh, yeah, hopefully the trend continues. Um, I have a big win. I mean, I, I'm hoping we don't even have to keep the starters in for for the first half if we don't want to, um, and then just empty the bench the rest of the game. Yeah, this one, I mean, even more than Western to me. I mean, Western is a good enough program. They have enough talent there that they could keep this a one-score game into the second quarter where people are, you know, getting a little nervous, but you you kind of know the result what's going to be. Akron, I think this could be an easily a 21 nothing at the end of the first quarter and you're you're already starting to try to get some freshmen involved. So that's that's a good this is a game that you need to schedule every single year. And, and some of these teams schedule like three relatively tough conf- out-of-conference games, and I don't understand it. You need an Akron on the schedule. 2-0, moving into a, a very interesting non-conference game at Washington. So if you dig through the history a little bit, the Big Ten as a whole doesn't have a great record. I don't have it in front of me, but it's it's not a great record when you're looking at non-conference games out on the West Coast. Um, heading over to Seattle, obviously, you've got the time change thing. I, I wonder how the coaching staff is going to deal with that because I know we we actually currently do basically morning practices. So if if you're accustomed to kind of in the morning being up for football and then all of a sudden you have a west coast road trip where you're going to be starting a game at like 10 p.m brain time um i really hope that that doesn't come into play as much as uh as much as i'm worried that it might but i ultimately i do have this as a win washington another school with a new head coach they were a train wreck last year with uh with Jimmy Lake like on and off the field. So I think some of that will get straightened out. They won't be as bad as they were last year. Uh, but they've lost a lot of talent. They're not that 2015 college football playoff type of contender in the Pac-12. They're a very clear step below the Oregons and the Utahs in that conference. And when we play this game again next year, Maybe they are in a better spot with their second year with this new coach and, you know, some talent coming in in the portal and getting used to that. But as of this year, I just think Michigan State's going to be in a much better spot with a, a bit more um, roster continuity, I guess, a, a, a lot more kind of returning production guys who are more comfortable in their roles and their positions. So I do think this game is going to be a bit closer than maybe a lot of people do. This might come down to the fourth quarter. Just being at Washington, it's a tough place to play. Uh, but I feel relatively confident that we're going to pull out a win here. So I've got us going 3-0 and with a win at Seattle. Yeah, this one was the first one that really obviously gave us pause, gave me pause. Um, it's, a, it's a football, 
I guess I'll call it a brand that gives you something to think about on your schedule, right? You mentioned they've been to the college football playoff, one of only whatever it is, seven, eight, nine programs that have, um, which says something about the program. But then you look at last year and they were just dreadfully bad last year. It's a ton to clean up in your first three games of this season. Add on new, um, like you said, the new head coach and his new schemes. Um, it's a big adjustment to be facing someone like Michigan State week three. Obviously, the West Coast plays in their favor, but I think we've got enough talent to get through this one. Um, pretty, I mean, it'll be hard fought, but I think in the end, it'll be maybe about 10 points somewhere in there. MSU win coming back home. So we're both kicking this thing off 3-0, and heading through the non-conference unscathed as we enter conference play. And the first game in conference play, home game against Minnesota, a a very interesting program, I think, this year. I will get to that a little bit more on Thursday, maybe. But, uh, Scott, how do you see this Minnesota game playing out? I think Minnesota, last year, people forget that, well, maybe people, I forget that they were right in the mix for the Big Ten West, there was the four-way tie going into the last week or the last two weeks between you know those typical top four in the Big Ten West. And Minnesota was one win away from winning um, that division. So they were great. They return uh, their star running back, Mo Ibrahim, to, to try to carry them to that Big Ten West title. So I think it's going to be a tough game. I think it'd be what you'd expect, right? From from these types of teams, it's going to be hard fought. Um, but I think we've got enough talent in this one to get by. I think the defense, if anything, is built to take away a guy like Mo in a scheme like that. So uh, I think it'll be tough for Minnesota's offense. And we get out with our first game really starting to show maybe some cracks we need to fill, right? About this time in the season, you start to see some patterns. You start to see all right, it's been four games now, and this really isn't clicking yet. Uh, so we start to see those those parts of this team wherever they are. But in the end, we pull out the win at home. You you mentioned Minnesota, and people kind of forget that they were sneaky really good last year uh, and can, competing for that division. It was so long ago, but people forget that opening week, they, they played week one against Ohio State. Right. And and that was when Ohio State wasn't really clicking fully yet, of course. But Minnesota, that was a one score game in the fourth quarter, and they were winning that game at halftime. Like they gave Ohio State as good a run for their money as anybody in the Big Ten, besides obviously Michigan, who ended up beating them. But Minnesota, I this game does worry me a lot more than I think a lot of people. Mo Ibrahim, you mentioned him, star running back. He went down in that Ohio State game after he had 163 yards and two touchdowns uh, to that point. But then they just brought in a stable of running backs and guys kept getting hurt behind him. But you had one, two, three, three guys that ran for over five yards a carry and one that ran for 4.9. This was just a really good rushing team. And you have Tanner Morgan coming back for his like 18th year in Minnesota. There's a solid quarterback who can beat you through the air. They bring back their offensive coordinator. 
um, from 2019 when he had his best season. So Minnesota does scare me. I, I'll start there. I do think it's a close win, but I think it's a close win mainly because it's a home game. If this game was in Minnesota, I think I might have flipped this to a loss. I think that highly in Minnesota this year. Uh, getting them at home, I think, kind of makes that edge. But this is going to be a tight game deep into the fourth quarter as I think both teams a little bit to a certain extent, again, depending on how Washington goes, this might be the first kind of real test for both teams. Uh, Minnesota, their non-conference versus New Mexico State versus Western Illinois and versus Colorado, who they beat 30 to nothing last year. So I expect them to also be 3-0 heading into this game. Um, but again, I, I just think this is going to be a really tough classic Big Ten matchup that might be a bit low scoring, that's going to be really physical, and that's going to come down to the fourth quarter. Michigan State being at home, that gives me an edge here. So both 4-0 to start the season. Feeling a little a little confident, a little nervous. How, how are we feeling at this point of the year as, as Michigan State, um, if we are in this position, we're 4-0? Well, I won't really feel too great because I'm going to be staring at what's next on our schedule. <laughs> exactly. And there will be a lot of nerves, certainly a lot of excitement. But if we come through Minnesota 4-0, there's going to be everyone getting ahead of themselves. Like, just stay off Twitter if you want to be a reasonable yep. <laughs> person. Because if you go on there, the Kool-Aid will be everywhere. Um, but first trap game situation at Maryland uh, week five and depending on who you ask maybe we should be really scared of this one maybe we should be real confident in this one um, and then obviously the gauntlet really starts um, the next three games after but Maryland Kevin I know this one like we said was more contentious than we thought not among us but among those who are giving Big Ten predictions. So what's your stance on Maryland? Where do you have this one? I So I was just listening this morning to our guy, Jeffrey the Greek, on the Eyes on Big. Jeff, if you're listening, I'm, I'm just, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. And he had Maryland taking us down, and that ended up being the difference for in his eyes between Maryland actually finishing a spot ahead of us in the East. I don't know how many times Maryland has to do this before people just realize this is what Maryland is. They're going to beat the bad teams on the schedule, and they're going to get crushed by the good teams on the schedule. Last season, Maryland played six games against what I think all of us would expect to be kind of the, the best six teams on their schedule. Iowa, Ohio State, Minnesota, Penn State, Michigan, Michigan State. Those kind of tier one, tier two Big Ten teams that they played. In those six games, they gave up an average, an average of 47 points a game. And they lost by more than two scores in each one of those games. This is what Maryland does. They they beat really bad teams. Um, they beat Rutgers 40 to 16, right? They beat uh, K 
Kent State by 100 points, right? Like they'll crush the bad teams on their schedule because they have some really good athletes and, uh, you know, they can kind of impose their will a couple times through the air and putting up a bunch of points. When push comes to shove, they play a good physical team. They can't hang. And whether this game is at home, on the road, I don't care. I, I feel like I know what Maryland football is. And Maryland football is not a team who beats a Michigan State, a Penn State, a Michigan, an Ohio State, whatever. They're not going to beat us because I think Michigan State is a good football team. And Maryland doesn't beat fo- good football teams. That's just how it is. So I, I expect us to cruise, win by two touchdowns like we do pretty much every time we play Maryland. All right. Not beating around the bush. That's nope. a lot of confidence. <laughs> um, I do see the trap game possibility in this one that someone might objectively look at the schedule and pick out. But I'm in the same boat. Until proven otherwise, Maryland stinks at getting up for big, big games. They just maybe they'll play a half of competitive football before the wheels fall off. That's kind of what happened with us last season. It was, it was close for a half and then we ran away. Um, I just, yeah, until proven otherwise, Michigan state's got this one. They've got their number. They win. Uh, I had them pulling away in the second half for not a close, but not too close win on the road. Yeah. I just, until I see otherwise, I look at Maryland on the schedule and I think, yeah, we'll win 35 to 14. It's just kind of how I see Maryland football. They, they just don't have any level of physicality on the offensive or defensive lines. And if you're a program that brings that, you're going to beat them comfortably. And unless things just go tragically wrong, like you said, obviously this is kind of a look ahead spot because the following week we play Ohio state. And maybe the team is just not focused whatsoever. And we turn the ball over at at Rutgers week one levels of 2020. What was that? Like oh, seven God. turnovers, Don't right? All right. If that happens, fine. Maybe we can lose to Maryland. But that's the extent that I think needs to happen because I just, this team doesn't, doesn't scare me. And these are famous last words. I know I'm knocking on wood as I'm speaking, but um that's just Maryland. They are what they are. Uh, and foreshadowing there, the following week, here's where the schedule gets really tough. Ohio State comes into East Lansing this year. Don't have to play him in the shoe. I hate playing in the shoe. That is a terrifying place to play a football game because you know they can drop 70 on you and that, that fan base is as obnoxious as they come. Um, at least they're in East Lansing this year. Uh, Scott, what are the odds that uh, that gives us the chance to pull this thing out? Let me put it this way. I We need to be rooting for Ohio State week one against Notre Dame because if they lose a game first week of the season, they're going to play with their heads oh, yeah. on fire the rest of the year to make sure they, they maintain that college football playoff potential with that one loss. The worst thing that could happen to the big 10, if, if Ohio state <laughs> is on your schedule, your schedule this year is them losing to Notre Dame week one. And it's different from, I think last year, because they lost week two to Oregon last year. And you said, well, the, the same thing happened last year and they didn't even end up winning the big 10. Well, last year, 
basically all of the star players that we expect for them to have this year, they were like freshmen and sophomores starting for them last year. Now those guys are sophomores and juniors starting for them this year with a year under their belt. I think this is, uh, yeah, it's a tough one. <laughs> now, there is a chance, anytime you change coordinators, there's a chance that things go south. And Ohio State does have a new defensive coordinator this year. That said, I'm not sure Ohio State even needed to field the defense at all last season to beat us. <laughs> I think they scored a touchdown on every one of their first half drives. Every first half drive of their starters. Touchdown. Yep. So literally, we we couldn't have been ahead of them at halftime, uh, given how our defense played, even if our offense played better. Um, this is still like I hate to say this about my team, but like it's a loss until proven otherwise kind of mm -hmm. situation for me with Ohio state. I know it's at home, but like last year it's just unless Ohio state just like implodes and comes way down this season, I can't imagine our team making up that big of a gap in a year. And I know like you can try to say last year's score wasn't indicative of the team because canine was down because whatever. But like at the end of the day, we, it happened. That was our team. And that was their team. And I don't expect them to get any worse this year, if not get yeah, better. That is a level of beatdown that we took last year that you don't just kind of recover from and beat them the next year. I think I think that's one that's going to linger for a couple years within the program that as this group of players is preparing for next uh, for this game against Ohio State in 2022 I don't I don't know what the coaching I think you have to go with the strategy of throw out the game tape we're not even going to watch that right you you can't you can't it's impossible to erase that from these players minds but you cannot under any circumstances actively bring it back up because there's no positive that's going to come from you breaking down the film from last year right. against Ohio State. It's just going to remind them even more vividly in their head how bad the, of a beatdown it was. So you throw out the game tape, I get it, but that was just, that was so bad. Um, like you said, I, I just can't expect that the talent difference or whatever the case may be, the only chance that I see in this game is that because of how bad of a beatdown it was, they just completely overlook us, right? And they go into that whole week and say, Michigan State, we're up 49 nothing to them at halftime. And they treat us as if we're a Mac school in their preparations that week, right? And we've seen it before. They, they went to Purdue in, what was that, 2018 and lost 49 to 20. They went to Iowa in 2017 and lost 55 to 24. Like Ohio State, as good as they are, they are capable of completely overlooking an, oppo oppo uh, an opponent and losing. But am I going to predict that the once every two or three years that Ohio State just really drops a game is going to be this specific game? No, I'm not going to predict that. I think Ohio State rolls comfortably 
through East Lansing with a, a two to three touchdown. It's not going to be as bad as it was last year. It can't, but I <laughs> yeah. still think it's a comfortable Ohio State win. I think you don't mention last year at all until your pregame locker room Mel Tucker hype the boys up speech. And then Even then, dude. Once. Even then, I'm I'm just not even. I'm not, not planting the seed. I'm not. <laughs> I'm hoping the energy from getting beat down that bad last season um, leads to like a quarter plus of like real competitive, you know, tie game after one or down by three, up by three. You know, give me one quarter right. of hope. And what then- is what is the saddest? Is that the satisfying result where no. you can come out of that game and say like? Okay, I I feel I feel comfortable with with what happened. I don't think I'd be satisfied unless we were like well into the second half and still had a chance to win. If a, yeah. a few th- like I one quarter of football and then they start to put that's not that's not hopeful. That's not exciting. <laughs> um, with where Michigan State finished in the conference last year, it, Ohio State's not going to feel satisfying unless it feels like we're actually competing in that game. Even if mm-hmm. you know we're only a win it two or three out of ten times, it's better than winning winning it maybe once out of ten, which is what last year the, looked like. But the quick analogy is as a Lions fan, you go into a season generally thinking, well, we're not gonna make the playoffs this year. In a similar way that, you know, you go into a year against Ohio State, we're like, well, we're not gonna beat that team. But you hope as a Lions fan that Let's get to Thanksgiving where we're in the graphic of like in outside hunt. shot in the hunt. Yeah, there it is in the hunt. So let's get to six minutes into the third quarter where you can you can convince yourself that like, man, if we get a stop and a score on this series, this game is still wide open, right? And maybe that doesn't happen and maybe they pull away. But if if we're at least a few minutes into the third quarter and we still have that glimmer of hope, we're like, eh, you know, interception here, uh, a nice punt return, just one of those kind of plays, then, hey, who knows, right? So I, I'm in the same boat. If we're, if we're a few minutes into the third quarter, a couple series into the third quarter, and we can still convince ourselves that anything could happen, I'm satisfied however that plays out. I think the only way that happens is if this MSU offense is really dynamic and is really the strength of the team, um, especially the passing game on offense. Ohio State, no matter what kind of adjustments our defense does this year, is going to put up some points. Um, they'll, They'll do it against pretty much any defense. The question would be, can we consistently finish drives with touchdowns against Ohio State's defense? And with this offense, it feels like there's a chance we could move it better than we did last year against Ohio State, given how it's constructed. But we're going to have to see a lot in the first five weeks to really go into that game feeling like we could potentially go punch for punch. Right. And obviously last year, like, look, it's again, it's not that that spiraled quickly. And when sometimes when that happens, that train starts rolling and the momentum is just so far on one side in a college game with 18, 19, 20 year old kids that you're just you can't get it back. And so you hope that in the first quarter, one of our first two series, we can punch in a touchdown 
and we can get a stop one of the first two or three series and you just kind of keep the keep the the momentum in balance a little bit early because they they just got rolling last year the first like three series and you were like oh boy (laughs) this thing is spiraled way too far out of our grasp yeah and i think playing at home that obviously plays into our advantage you know at home if you lose the momentum really bad you're never too many plays away from bringing the home crowd back into it right because you can be down three scores but you show a glimmer of hope and hey people are getting out of their seats again on the road in the shoe you lose the momentum that bad it takes a whole lot to suck that energy back out of that crowd it's a lot easier to inject the energy into the home crowd so playing from at home i think momentum keeps us in it a little bit longer um, but I think we're ready to move on both chalking up our first loss of the season at home to Ohio State. Yep. So you head into what is that week? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Week seven against Wisconsin. We both have us starting off, well, very strong. What's that? Five and one heading into week six, I guess. My math is uh, is not great. And here's the thing that I really struggled with. I, I think this is a weird spot in the schedule. You're just coming off of what I predict to be a loss against Ohio State. You got the bye week after this game. And then you go to, obviously, to Michigan. But the bye week in between that buffer, I don't think this is like a, oh, you're looking ahead to your rival thing. You're kind of looking ahead to a bye week, if anything. Um, And I wanted to, I kind of just went to check in. Like last year, obviously, two losses on the schedule. We rebounded really well from both of those losses, right? At Purdue, you lose that game. You follow it up with a beatdown against Maryland at home. At Ohio State, you get crushed. You get embarrassed on national television. The following week, you come back home. You get Penn State, and uh, and you beat them. So this was a team who rebounded from losses really well last year. I have this as a loss, and I don't feel great about it. Um, I do think we match up relatively well with Wisconsin, and I I don't think that this is any kind of like elite Wisconsin football team, um, but they're they're going to be a really physical football team, and I think that comes into play again. Both of these games that you had last year, coming off of tough losses, you played not the most physical football teams. Penn state was the worst rushing team in the conference. I think last year in Maryland, we know about them. Um, I think when you follow a loss with a really, really physical football game, it's just tough, man. And I, I don't feel great about this prediction. I think this one could go either way, but I, I just don't love where this lines up in the schedule. And so I think if we get Wisconsin at home, if you flip-flop Minnesota and Wisconsin, um, then I think maybe Wisconsin turns into a win. And maybe Minnesota turns into the loss. But I just don't love where this lines up. So I got us losing back-to-back games um, and and starting off the season. Five and two heading into the bye week. Yeah, this was this was the hardest game for me to predict in the whole schedule. Um, if it was in Madison, I would have it probably as a loss pretty easily that camp Randall's really hard. Very few teams go into camp Randall and and win games, especially when they're considered an underdog. Um, But bringing it into Spartan stadium, it felt like a coin flip to me. 
it felt like the dynamics coming out of Ohio State would play a lot into it. Um, I think this is just potential for a real sloppy game uh, against a team that plays the fundamentals really well. I think on paper, if everything's clean, I like I like Michigan State a little bit more than Wisconsin just in terms of like pure team ability this season. But I think it could be sloppy coming off a loss, that bye week lingering, um, just the fact that Wisconsin and is so fundamental that they're just waiting like a shark for you to uh, to make a mistake so they can take advantage of it. That said, I think Michigan State's strong enough at home and motivated enough coming off the loss to pull out a like the game that came to my mind is Nebraska last year, where it was just like a, a bad watch, like all around everyone who watched it hated it. And there was a little bit of like home field magic sprinkled in. We get lucky on a bad punt read by Nebraska and <laughs> and pull out the win. Um, I thought you were heading one. to a loss there. I'm not going to lie. The way you were talking about it seemed like you were heading. No, I think we get enough magic. You know, last year, this is where last year got in my head. Because last year I did go 9-3 on my first pass. And I thought to myself, no, there's there's a lot of tough games on this schedule. You got to pull that back. And I ended up at seven and five. And this year I had Wisconsin first pass. I had them as a loss. And I was looking at it and I was like, they surprised me last year. And, and teams, good teams at Michigan State find magic in games that you don't expect them to win. And I think this is going to be another one of them. And uh, yeah, tough, ugly, low scoring, most of the game kind of banging your head against the wall, but the defense holds up against Wisconsin's offense enough to keep it low scoring. Everybody's running the ball a lot. So it's a shorter game with less possession. So it stays close. And, uh, and that offense turns it on when they need it to in the fourth quarter to get the dub. So head into the bye week. I have us five and two. Scott has us six and one bringing us to what is always the game of the year for us for the Paul Bunyan trophy in Ann Arbor this year, both teams coming off of a bye going into the week. So we know how toxic that's going to make this, uh, this rivalry. Um, both teams should be pretty good at this point. Michigan's early schedule is an absolute joke. Um, there's a chance of, uh, of this being another like top 10, top 12 ish type, game in this rivalry i'll start and i'll kind of introduce this relatively quickly i've been a michigan state fan literally my entire life i will never pick us to lose this game obviously this is a win for michigan state mel tucker 3-0 against jim harbaugh that would be hilarious in the recent past, one thing's been true about this rivalry. No matter where Michigan's at in their spectrum of quality teams, whenever Michigan State's got a good or great team, we win this game. I'm not going to go back into the history books, but since the start of the D'Antonio era, if Michigan State's had a competitive football team, they've won this game. The times we've lost it, we've hit, you know, the three and nine season, a seven or six and six season. I expect Michigan state to be a good or great team this year. And I expect them to win this game. Michigan might be the better team on paper. They might be getting all the college football football playoff clout that they're going to get early in the season. And they're going to be seven and zero or whatever coming into this game thinking they're obviously 
going to go back to the college football playoff and finally beat Georgia. Uh, and we're going to beat them. And I don't know how I literally wrote magic gets us through because that's what happens in this game <laughs> to and give like a, to give a football reason. I just, I, I think Michigan could be really, really good this year. Like I think the offense could be better. I think the defense will take a step back, but the thing for me is they're going to continue this quarterback thing. They're going to ride this thing out again where they're alternating drives. They're alternating quarters. They're bringing in JJ for gadget plays, but Kate is the starter thing. And I just don't think that that's a winning formula. I don't. I don't understand how you can kind of keep that rolling. Look, I get it. They made it to the playoff last year doing it. But I just think it. you're going to have maybe another situation like last year where if Cade plays every snap of that game last year, maybe Michigan wins. But you try to pigeonhole J.J. McCarthy into this role that he's not prepared for, ready for. He turns the ball over. Like I think that's something that could really come into play again. Um, but I do think these teams are very similar. I think Michigan loses. Losing Ojabo and Hutchinson off the edge is a big deal. Um you're really getting a lot less from that pass rush than you got last year, which was one of the best in the entire country. And again, to make it simple, I will never predict us to lose this game. And over the last 15 or so years, it's usually been a pretty good prediction. So we'll, we'll keep rolling with it. And Ann Arbor is not a scary place to play. I'll be there. It'll be fun. <laughs> be great. Uh, so I have seven and one after Michigan. You've got six and two, I believe. Yep. And okay, we can take a breath. Hopefully, <laughs> the trap um, game of all trap games. Yeah. I so think. if you thought Purdue last year was one to uh, to get nervous about, this is going to be the sleepiest noon game in Champaign. It's going to be like the fifth or sixth like preference in their time slot in terms of TV channels deep, like ESPN. Well, it's not ESPN anymore, but ESPN two, like BTN alternate, that's CBS sports. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, Illinois season will be like totally defunct and they're playing for pride, but maybe this will be homecoming, whatever. I feel like it's always, the trap games are always homecoming. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, I'll start this one off. I have it as a win. Like we should be, significantly a better football team than Illinois. Uh, I don't like that. It's on the road. I think Illinois is going to have feel I think is, is starting to develop a little bit of a foundation for an identity, uh, which is different from what we've seen in previous Illinois teams. But I just don't think the quality of the program is, is there for, to predict any kind of a loss here still scares me, but I got to win the good news. It is not homecoming. Uh, it is dad's day on the Illinois football schedule, whatever the heck that means, but uh, not a homecoming game, which, which is helpful a little bit. Um, No, I'm, I'm basically in the similar boat. I do think again, in a similar vein as the last, uh, when we talked about Wisconsin, just on a much lower level, Illinois is a super physical football team. You know, Brett Bielema wants to run the ball and they did pretty well last year. Chase Brown, their running back is one of the best running backs in the conference. He averaged six yards a carry last year. And I'm pretty sure he went for like 250 in that win against Penn State. So they have the capability of beating good teams. They showed it just last year on the road right after a rivalry game. I'm not going to lie. This scares the hell out of me. This is either a game 
where Mel Tucker proves that he is a great motivator, which I really think he is. I think he proved that a lot last year with the way we were able to rebound from tough losses, um, to keep our focus against, you know, teams that we should have beaten. We, we beat handily. This is another kind of test right after a rivalry game. Like you said, sleepy noon game. Can you get your guys up? Whether that's a win or a loss against Michigan, can you get up for this game? Um, Ultimately, I think they do because, again, I think Mel Tucker is a great motivator and I think we'll be ready. And if we're ready to play this game, we'll win this game. But if we bring our B game, there's a chance Illinois could beat us because I think they are starting to be just a little more capable of of catching some teams. And it's not going to take the A game, but... The B-plus game should do it pretty handily, and the B game is where we might get into trouble if they are on their A-plus game. So um, a little bit worried about that one, but I do have it as a win. On paper, again, we are just a a pretty vastly more talented team um, with a much better quarterback, and I I just can't predict that to be a loss on paper. So um Heading into a, a nice stretch here following the Michigan game. You go at Illinois and then two home games against Rutgers and Indiana. Um, nice little late season stretch here for Michigan State or what it should be on paper at least. Um, so I've got us with two losses heading into Rutgers. You've got us with just one loss. Rutgers at home. Obviously, we took care of business against them last year. We unfortunately remember what happened the last time we played him at home in 2020, the first game for Mel Tucker, the first game for Greg Schiano, the sloppiest football game that I think I've ever seen in my entire life. Seven turnovers, whatever it was. But last year we got the vengeance out. <clears throat> we, we officially stole the chopping from Greg Schiano. Uh, Jalen Naylor had like 800 yards and 27 touchdowns. I just think Rutgers is still a really bad football team. Maybe a well-coached bad football team, but still a bad football team. And you get this one at home. This is a comfortable win for Michigan State. When your quarterback position is in a battle between Noah Vidral, Gavin Wimsat, and Evan Simon this <laughs> deep into the summer you're not striking too much fear into your foes as they're looking at your, your name on their schedule this season. They are a team that very much lacks weapons. They had a couple decent guys. Isaac Pacheco's apparently like tearing it up in Kansas city. Um, And he did some things at Rutgers. So uh, credit where credit's due, but unfortunately yeah, for them, that's a past tense did <laughs> yes. and was in Rutgers. So um, it's always a team where like you, you turn on the broadcast and the, the commentators are bringing these guys up like, yeah, this, this guy watch out for him. And you just never hear his name again. And you're like, well, I guess they had to bring up somebody, but it's just a team that doesn't carry a lot of talent. The talent level's gone up a little bit with Greg Shiano coming back into town. I'll give him that. But last year didn't look competitive at all. This time it's at home probably going to be one of those again late noon games in the you know late in the season in november um stadium people are making fun of us because it's not quite full um but still pull out a comfortable w at home so that brings us to indiana again at home this is the second to last week of the season 
at this point, I have us, what's that, eight and two, right? And you've got us nine and one heading into week 12 versus Indiana. Scott, I'll let you kick this one off. This one, I don't know what to make of Indiana. They were pretty good two years ago, and they were awful last year. Two and ten, oh and nine in conference, obviously dead last in the Big Ten. He's dead last in the Big Ten. Yes, they had some injuries that slowed them down. No, I don't think that would have made a huge difference if everyone stayed healthy on that team. They were lost. I mean, the wheels completely fell off in Bloomington last season. Um, was that a blip or did they get that much worse in a year? That's what we're going to see this season. Um, so I, I said it's got a trappy feel just because I don't know what to make of this team. I think Indiana, they weren't that they weren't as bad as their record indicated. Um, it's, again, one of those sleepy late season games. If we have a couple more losses than I expect on our, you know, we're sitting at three, four losses. The national spotlight's not on our team anymore. It's just one of those late season Big 10 games without stakes on the line and Indiana wakes up for it and we don't. I think there's there's a chance it's trappy, but again, it's at home. I think we're going to have all the momentum in the world at this point in the season going down the stretch. I think we handle our business um, and win by two scores. Indiana had their end of the season last year was about if you believe anything about momentum carrying over from one season to the next, I think what you said there about maybe they weren't as bad as their record, that's true for a large part of the season. But then that late stretch, 29-7 to Michigan, 38-3 to loss to Rutgers, 35-14 loss to Minnesota, and 44-7 to lost to Purdue in a rivalry game. That was their last four se- four games of the year. That's not a good way to end the year. And then on top of that, since the start of last football season, Indiana had 32 guys enter the transfer portal. They brought in just 13. Like this is on paper. Like you look at this 10,000 foot view and you think, oh dear God, that program is not in a good place right now. So I think this is going to be a tough year for Indiana. I do love Tommy Allen, their head coach. I like. I just want to root for the guy. He's He loves his players, loves competition. I just think this is not heading in a good direction for Indiana. They're going to have a new quarterback. They're going to have, uh, I mean, basically new players everywhere on the field. They lose Micah McFadden, who you remember was was a huge part in bottling up Kenneth Walker last year, and and part of the reason that game was so close. Um, yeah, this is this is a Michigan State pretty comfortable win uh, against Indiana, who I think is headed towards the bottom of the Big Ten East more often than not this season. Um, which brings us to the Land Grant Trophy, the final game. Scott has us ten and one. Heading into Happy Valley, I have us nine and two heading into Happy Valley for this one. I will start it off. I think we lose this game. Uh, I think Penn State's going to be better than a lot of people are expecting them to be. I You got to remember last season that Penn State, they were playing against Iowa. They were undefeated. 
I think number three or four in the country. And then Sean Clifford gets hurt in the middle of that game. If he doesn't get hurt, I think they win that game. They keep that momentum rolling throughout the season and they would have finished with a much better record. And that's even with one of the worst rushing attacks in all of college football. They brought in two running backs this year who are both true freshmen who I think both of them are going to contribute right away. And I think both of them are really, really good. One of them, Nick Singleton, was the number one uh, running back in the country. So I think their running game is going to get better, which is a, a big reason that I have them being a lot better in general than they were last year. And again, for all of the, you know, Penn State just was really down last year. Let's just call it like it is. That, that was not a great Penn State football team. They still won seven games and we beat them at home by three points and they had the ball driving on the last series of the game. So as much as I think the the initial reaction when we look at Penn State is to say, oh, pff, Penn State, man, they've fallen off. They're not any good anymore. They're not a team to, to fear anymore. Um, I mean, we had them at home and barely pulled that one out. That was a really fun, really close, really tough game. What Again, one of the most enjoyable college football games that I can remember watching. That was a ton of fun in the snow, uh, but that was a really close game against them. So in Happy Valley, again, a really tough place to play. I think, uh, unfortunately, this is a loss. That brings me and my final prediction to 9-3 and three for Michigan State. Scott? Where you got us here? It is on the road. If there's one thing playing to our advantage, it is that it is Thanksgiving weekend, which could tamper the uh, the home crowd. I'll be in attendance, so I'll be doing my part to to turn a couple of those blue and white tickets green and white. Um, I I agree with most of what you said. I think Penn State takes a step forward this season uh, from last year and returns to the the battle for kind of that first and a half tier of the Big Ten East. Um, Happy Valley is a tough place to play, like you said. And this game and Wisconsin were the two hardest games for me to pick. My first run through, I had Wisconsin as a loss and I had Penn State as a win. And flip them almost solely because of where they're being played. <laughs> I think they're very similar games on paper. Um, and I think the home field advantage gets us through against Wisconsin. We lack that against Penn state. And uh, yeah, if we can't establish the run in on the road, I think we're going to struggle in that game. And I think establishing the run on the road against good teams is going to be one of the hardest things for our, this team to do uh, this season. So I, I just think, you know, we'll, we'll be rolling through those easier games later in the season, but I think there's going to be that kind of lurking skeleton in the closet that came out against Purdue last year uh, that catches up to us at Penn State this year where like a couple of the games are more uncomfortable than you'd expect. You know there's weaknesses that if they haven't been fixed at that point in the season, you're probably just going to have to uh, make do with them. And uh, a team like Penn State has enough talent to take advantage of some weaknesses. So, yeah, I have a loss to finish the regular season 10 and 2 
way higher than I had them last year, but I had to stick to my guns this year. I was at like eight and four and I was like, no, don't pull it back. You did that last <laughs> year and you regretted it. So give me 10 and two. Uh, we, uh, we won't give our division finish yet. That'll come yep. next episode in our big 10 preview uh, and prediction. But yeah, 10 and two, seven and two in conference losses yeah, to no. Ohio State and at Penn State. Yeah, and I've I've got us nine and three uh, again with the losses being Ohio State, Wisconsin, and Penn State is the only difference there. Um, win total is set for seven and a half. So if you uh, if you are on DraftKings and you're listening to this episode and you're thinking, yeah, that makes sense, that makes sense, and you end up coming out with nine, ten, eleven wins, seven and a half win total. Um, we are both pretty comfortably over that um i just again like the the wisconsin the penn state michigan and then i'll throw like one of the washington minnesota and then like illinois kind of tier i think there there's there's fear that you could drop a couple of those and suddenly nine and three turns into seven and five I think seven and five is kind of the floor. I would be shocked if we went six and six. That would be losing every, losing to every good game, uh, every good team on the schedule, and dropping one that we shouldn't. Right? I, I think seven and five is a pretty comfortable floor, um, and eleven and one is certainly in the cards. I mean, you look at this all cumulatively. And you think, man, like Minnesota and Wisconsin and Michigan and Penn and you start like it makes it really difficult to think you're going to win all of them. But when you do this and you line it up game by game by game by game and you're just looking at this one game and this one matchup, I think every game but Ohio State could easily be a win. So I think 11 and one is kind of the ceiling, seven and five being a floor. Uh, I feel really good about this football team. Yeah, I think they're going to surprise some people. I think the defense is going to find a foothold in, in figuring out a way to be a good defense. I don't know what, it'll, what it will look like yet, but I think last year we were still ironing out some early in the regime kinks on defense, right? I mean, it was only year two with Mel Tucker, year one with in-person practice, essentially, mm-hmm. uh, with a full year cycle. And, and the team, the personnel and the system just weren't, far enough along yet i think you need those veterans that really understand a system to solidify it and i think hopefully year three is the time to really see that start to gel uh and i think if we can have a legit competitive defense this offense has plenty of firepower to be dangerous in any game on any given saturday so yeah i think uh another great season I, I think Michigan State really puts a stamp on the fact that they're going to stick around at the top of the conference and um go to a great bowl game if if we're right um even at nine and three you're looking at a pretty good selection so uh, yeah. yeah so let us let us know what you think we're gonna start uh so on our facebook group uh, a lot of you are already members a lot of you not yet i'm gonna start like a, a whole thread um, where i want you guys to give your predictions of what the record's gonna be what's going to be the biggest win, what's going to be the most disappointing loss and that kind of thing and and get you guys a, a little bit more involved with that as well. 
Um, and we'll obviously put a nice graphic up on Twitter and you guys can let us know what you think there as well. If this is your introduction to the podcast, maybe this is your first episode. Um, we have done a ton of preview content uh, the last couple of weeks. So just kind of go back in the feed. You'll find position breakdowns. You'll find a lot more um, kind of about this team and this roster and and these players a little bit more than we did today. Today's kind of just the the schedule breakdown, the the predictions. So if you were looking for a little bit more on the side of um, our players and our defense and our offense or whatever, go back in the feed. You'll find all of that. Uh, make sure you're telling your friends and your family about us as the season gets closer and closer and closer. Um, we're, we're usually picking up a lot more people um, onto the bandwagon as August and September kind of roll into one. And um, yeah, until Thursday, we will do our Big Ten predictions. So we'll have the standings. We'll have where Michigan State's going to land in the Big Ten East. Um, we'll do who's going to be the Big Ten champions, all of that kind of stuff. Um, I want to run through some some other. We'll go through who we think are going to win the rest of the Power Five conferences and maybe give a prediction for the national championship. Who knows what we'll get into on Thursday. So make sure you're subscribed so that you can get that right into your feed. But until then, from me at 9-3, and three, from Scott at 10-2, and two, there's our predictions for Michigan State football this year. We'll see you again on Thursday. Have a great start to your week. Go green. Go white. Take care, folks.